I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. In this episode, we are going to go over how do you value your physical therapy practice? If you're watching this, if you're interested, you're probably concerned or wondering what is my physical therapy practice worth? Now, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, jump over to the YouTube because I have a spreadsheet in front of me. We're going to fill this up with some information, some helpful data. We are going to actually compare two million dollar practices, practice A and practice B, anonymous, both doing approximately a million dollars in revenue. Everything else pretty much consistent about the same level of staff, same location, reimbursement, all that type of stuff. We're going to go over that right now. So on the Google spreadsheet, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see Let's title this, how do I value my PT practice? Like, what is it really worth? Meaning, how would I potentially be able to sell it? Now, you'll have to take into account some potentially new verbiage. Now, this is how physical therapy practices are valued. This is how SaaS and software companies are valued. This is how a lot of companies are valued. Something called EBITDA. EBITDA stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. EBITDA means the company's overall financial performance, and it's used as an alternative to other metrics, including earnings, revenue, and income. And you might be asking yourself, is EBITDA the same as net income? EBITDA is essentially net income or the earnings, net income being earnings, with interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization added back in. For today's example, we're going to talk about the physical therapy world and the physical therapy industry where practices are selling for three times EBITDA to five times EBITDA. And if they have six, seven, eight, 10 locations or more, they might be selling for six or seven X EBITDA, a multiple anywhere from three to five or three to seven X, a multiplier on EBITDA. For today's simple example, we're going to break down and do a multiple of the net income, just simple profit, like whatever the profit is, we're going to break that down. So I'm going to do just like a quick little uh, spreadsheet here. We're going to say practice A. We've got practice B. Both of these outpatient physical therapy practices, again, they're anonymous. Not going to be sharing any information that's sensitive or anything like that, of course. So we said both of them doing about a million dollars a year in revenue, top line revenue, right? Okay. And we said everything else, we're going to make approximately constant. So let's say staff, they have four FTEs, four PTs. They're all working about the same. Four PTs, maybe a PTA. Staff is about the same and constant. The location is about the same in terms of their both outpatient physical therapy practices. Geographically, for reimbursement sake, we'll go into payment or reimbursement. Let's just say if that is constant. So if that's about the same, yes, same. Again, if you're watching on iTunes or Spotify, you're going to want to jump over to YouTube for this, where we compare two physical therapy practices that are anonymous. We're not sharing anything that it shouldn't be shared. 
One has more profit, one has less profit. I want to show you how one sells and will sell or could sell for more money down at close because it's in one situation versus the other. So payment, we said about the same. Is the owner, owner treats, let's say no. So we'll say if the owner is treating zero to one time per week. So let's just say no, the owner is not treating at all. So they're kind of like managing the practice. They're not really too much in the business. They're working on the business. And we'll say the owner's salary, let's say either they're taking year-end dividends, year-end profits. Let's just say both of these, however they might be making income off the practice, let's say that's the same. So everything is pretty much the same so far. Now let's get into net income. So this would be post-tax profits. At the end of the year, everything else is paid for. Net income. For one practice, these are examples that, again, candidly, they're, they're not anything, we're not exposing anyone's information, but we have spoken with different practice owners and many of them are around the a million dollar mark. So, oh, in terms of location, we'll say that they're both one location, one outpatient physical therapy practice, or maybe it's like two smaller ones or one larger one and then one like newer one, like a Zenovo or a startup. Both of these practices as a whole, a million dollars in revenue. There's several different practice owners that we've come across in, in terms of how they are financially and their financial performance of their practice, what they're declaring on their taxes, how much deductions and, and write-offs they're using. Some, I mean, most of the time they're legal and there's legal loopholes that their accountant has showed them. Uh, but regardless, there's, let's just say this practice for practice A, hypothetically, has 250 grand net income, net profit at the end of the year. These are both outpatient physical therapy practices. One, 250 grand. This one, practice B, 15 grand. So, so far, everything else has been the same except net income, the profit. One is declaring $250,000 to be taxed on at the end of the year, and one is declaring 15 grand. Both outpatient physical therapy practices, both have about the same size staff, both owners don't really treat, both owners take some type of a draw or some type of a salary or they pay themselves some way. Now, we said at the top of the, we said at the top of the uh, video here, that the average multiple of EBITDA for the physical therapy industry is three to five times uh, EBITDA. And just to make this super easy, we could just use net income. There'll be a variation. It'll depend. But in this example, it's just a little bit easier because you, you just, just take net profit right from a couple slides above this, a couple cells above this on the, the Google spreadsheet. So let's say net income if we, for a 3X multiplier, and then we have net income as a 5X multiplier, we're going to just kind of show you like a spread, what this, what these two different practice owners could expect to potentially get. Right off the bat, if you're understanding this so far, you see that both of these are about the same. One is declaring more taxes, usually, and so it means more margin, which is better for a potential buyer like us. We are buying outpatient physical therapy practices in New York City and New Jersey, we're not brokers. We speak with many brokers. Uh, but in this case, we would, first of all, right off the bat, obviously, practice A that has 250 grand of net profit at the end of the year, that's comparatively the same size and the same scale as practice B, one showing more profit, one showing significantly less profit. Right off the bat, without knowing anything else, practice A is more valuable. We would rather buy practice A. We will put more money down at the close for practice A. We will allow that practice owner of practice A to negotiate a higher EBITDA number, a higher EBITDA multiple, uh, better terms for them, because this practice has more free cash flow. 
it's safer for a buyer like us. This practice is slight is more uh, is more de-risk or in this case is less risky versus a practice practice B also a million dollars in revenue. Everything else is about the same 15 grand in net income. So it's like, well, I mean, I can give you some examples of what we've come across, but like, where is the free cash flow? What is going on here? Now, there are some legal loopholes and deductions and things, but we've seen practice owners where they have their private uh, personal expenses, their personal one or two or three cars that the family uses on the business books as deductions, their holidays, their trips, their vacations, their flights, their trips to different states or different countries on the books of the business as write-offs. So therefore you can knock down, you can have less, you're showing less income. So you're being taxed less every year and you're showing a significantly less net income. You're, you're showing less profits compared to practice A. Both most likely probably, both of these practices most likely completely legal and have no issues at all. But the practice of practice A with 250 grand profit at the end of each year that practice is more valuable. It's generating more free cash flow. As a buyer, buyers want more free cash flow. Why? Because then they can use that cash to then, if they take over practice A and they, if we buy practice A, then we would be able to use that free cash flow to buy other practices or spend on recruiting and hiring top talent or training our staff and making sure that they get the best continuing education. They get the best front desk training, the best conversational sales and marketing training, whatever the the goals of the overall practice is, recruiting, marketing, getting in front of more exposure to the community so that we can all help more patients. But if we buy and take over practice B, there's not a lot of free cash flow there. Now, here's another example is we've spoken to a practice owner that has something similar to practice B, uh, doing around a million dollars, very, very low margins on their tax returns like this, like 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand at the end of the year. In that particular case, that practice owner is actually overpaying their staff above market rate without performance or productivity that would necessitate that compensation. That particular owner just like really loves their staff, which is great. I mean, it's amazing. The staff is being paid more than probably any physical therapist that that we've seen across New York city. So it's a very unique situation. We're just using this spreadsheet as a way to kind of compare these two. Now let's get into, we said the average EBITDA multiple, we're not going to go into the, the financial engineering of like doing ad backs and all that, because we don't have the two balance sheets, the income statements, the profit and loss statements, the, uh, the tax returns of these two hypothetical A and B practices. So let's just say, 250 grand for practice A, 250 grand as their net profit at the end of the year. So we'll, let's just show a sliding scale. So if you had this practice, 250 grand times the multiplier of three and on a sliding scale from three to five. So then what would that look like? Again, 250 grand now times five. And this practice A, if we were basing the net income multiple, which it's going to be in the same ballpark, it's going to be different, but for the sake of this example, it's going to be enough to kind of understand what's going on here. In the range of a sliding scale of this practice could potentially sell in the range of 750 grand to 1.3 million versus this practice with the small margin, 15 grand now times three, 45 grand. This practice owner B, if they hear this, they're going to be very upset and disappointed at us because they're going to say, there's no way I can sell this practice 
for 15 grand times three or even 15 grand, ready, times five. So that would be anywhere from 45 grand to 75 grand, a sliding scale, just based off of this hypothetical net income multiple, which is kind of in the same ballpark of the average EBITDA multiple across physical therapy, across every business, every service-based business, technology business, any business is the true, uh, the, the true uh, factor is EBITDA. But in this case, we're, we're using net income. It's like I said, it's kind of in the same ballpark. But now you can see practice A, practice B, they're doing about the same in revenue, right? About the same size staff, same geography, same location, their reimbursement, their outpatient physical therapy reimbursement is about the same. The owner does not treat at all. Let's just say the owner is paying themselves monthly or quarterly or yearly, either as a drawing on the, the profits of the business, the, they're paying themselves about the same. And then boom, everything else is the same. And we have seen this. This owner practice A, like I said, will be able to negotiate better terms that this practice owner will be able to negotiate more money down at the close versus practice B, this practice owner B will not be able to negotiate as much money down at the close. And a lot more of this would be an earnout over time where they kind of stay on either treating in this case, if they want to keep treating, depends on the buyers or having some, maybe they're not part of the practice anymore. They're working from home or they're, they're just not part of the practice, but they will still get paid monthly moving forward. Every single month they'll get paid, but that comes from the free cash flow of the practice when a buyer buys an existing business. So you can see that there wouldn't be a lot of margin here in practice B. Things could get really tight where let's just say if we completed a transaction to acquire practice B, the margins are very tight where the staff is overpaid. There's, there's a lot of the owner's deductions, the personal expenses when they go to Wal, uh, Walmart, when they go to Costco, BJ's Wholesale, whatever, and they get like bulk products for the clinic, like paper towels, toilet paper, you know, everything that all the supplies that are used in a physical therapy office, but they'll also get supplies for their home, stocking their home with also toilet paper, paper towels, uh, soaps, and all the things that you would then buy as well for a home. A lot of those components, we've seen owners have those purchases on the books of their business. And therefore, the more you load that up, and a lot of it is legal as far as I understand, then you have and you demonstrate less net income. You demonstrate less profits at the end of the year because you have more deductions because you're taking your personal or your family expenses and you're putting them on the books of the business, of the physical therapy practice, and therefore you're showing less income. Now, this is a perfect example of if you want to sell or you're trying to value your practice, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. This practice A, 250 grand that they're being taxed on, let's just say 250 grand approximately they're being taxed per year over the last three or four years, even through COVID, right? So they've been paying the state. In this case, it's we're, I'm in Brooklyn and we're buying practices in New York City and New Jersey. So they're paying the state of New York more in taxes over the last three or four years. Practice A is paying more in taxes compared to practice B. Practice B is paying less in taxes over the last three or four years based on how they're demonstrating their net income, their profit at the end of the year. Therefore, when both of these practice owners go to sell, this owner gets rewarded with a higher multiple and more cash down at the close because they have been demonstrating 
they built and sustained a practice that has more cash flow, that's more advantageous to a buyer like us, and they've been taxed more at the state and city and federal level and all that compared to practice B that is the last three or four years has been taxed way less at the state, city, federal level, et cetera. And therefore practice B, they've saved so much money and not paying a lot of those extra taxes compared to practice A, everything else approximately the same. Therefore, when they go to sell, they cannot have their cake and eat it too. They cannot save on taxes over the last three or four years and demonstrate such a small amount of profit over those years and then expect to be paid 80 or 100% of the purchase price at the close. It's just not going to happen. So here's the sliding scale, you know, 750 grand to 1.3 million for, for this, you know, this practice A that's like top flight and doing pretty well in terms of free cash flow and practice B where things are tighter. And therefore they might, I don't know, it really depends on the buyer because any business that is potentially a seller that's going to sell or a business that's going to be offered uh, to be sold, um, it's really in the, in the eyes of the beholder. So it really depends on the market and how many buyers, and if, there, if there's several buyers that's, that are bidding. But this is an example why, I don't know, there's a stat. It's something like 70, 80, 90% of businesses that, are, that ever speak to a broker go on sale publicly, anonymously listed, but are on the market or on brokers' websites to be sold. 70, 80, 90% every year do not sell. Why? I believe because a lot of these practice owners have really tight margins. They've shown minimal to no profit over the preceding years leading up to their decision to then sell. And then buyers are like, hey, well, this is kind of risky. So we could, you know, for practice B, hey, we could put maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put down 50 or 100 grand down at close. And then the rest will be a seller's note, a seller, so seller's finance or a seller's note where the owner takes basically a promissory note to be paid the rest of this purchase price over the next three to five to seven or more years. And the cash flow of the business is basically paying the monthly earnout to that owner over the next three, five, seven, whatever years in the future. But the buyers will be putting out less money or the capital raised by the buyers or the buyers that have their own capital or they raise private equity money or family office or whatever it might be. Practice B will get less money, if at all, less money down at the close, maybe, like I said, 50 or 100 grand versus practice A, they could negotiate probably 70, 80 or 100% of this sliding scale of, you know, 700 grand, 900 grand, 1.2, 1.3 million down at the close if they have a lot of potential buyers because their books are cleaner. I hope that makes sense. You guys can comment below, rate, review, and subscribe if you are on YouTube. Go ahead and hit subscribe if you're interested in more content like this. If you're a physical therapy practice owner, just like me, uh, but you are looking to maybe retire, maybe you're looking to sell some or all of your practice. If you're in the New York City area or New Jersey, then definitely reach out and we can speak confidentially. We can have you sign. We can both sign an NDA to keep everything private and confidential. So if this is interesting to you, you might want to rate and review and subscribe so that that way you'll get notified when more content and helpful tips and, and things like that come out from us over the next several weeks and months going forward. And it might help you get an edge when you speak to a potential buyer, wherever you are in the country, the more that you understand the buyer's perspective, the more that you understand your side, your perspective, then the process can probably be a lot smoother for you. So that's it for now. I'm Dave Kittle. Like I said, I'm a physical therapist. I'm the practice owner at Concierge Pain Relief, home physical therapy here 
in New York City. And I'm also the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. And we are acquiring physical therapy practices in New York City and New Jersey. And not just any physical therapy practices. We're acquiring profitable, reputable practices. We're not looking to buy distressed practices and, and be a turnaround effort. We're looking for reputable and profitable practices similar to practice A in this example, as opposed to practice B in this example. So that's it for now. See you next time on the Dave Kittle Show. Thank you. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.